Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, college cross fans? You are listening to episode 189 of the Lax Factor podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost. Today is the weekend preview show. Thursdays, we go through and preview a bunch of the games that are coming up this weekend. Today, we're going to talk about Syracuse, Maryland, Duke, Denver, Georgetown's in action, Hopkins, Loyola, North Carolina, Ohio State. Uh, a bunch of games to talk about. Another one that I'm excited about, Notre Dame's going to be in action, Rutgers Army. We'll get to all of them. Before I get into it, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. Support us that way. We have t-shirts up and things of that sort, but we're also putting out a new line of dye sublimated shorts that you can also buy. They'll, they'll have crazy designs. All will be, to a degree, Lax Factor branded and so on. So laxfactor.com to support us, and let's get into this first game. Game that most people are excited about, no matter what the outcome ends up being, because I'm not fully sure how this is going to play out. It's the Syracuse-Maryland game. The Cuse is hosting Maryland at the Dome. Gary Gates' number is going to get put up in the rafters during this game, the old 22. And, you know, both teams are sitting undefeated. Cuse so far, not all that battle-tested. Maryland's played some teams that were supposedly going to be pretty solid in High Point and Loyola kind of put the beat down on both of them as Syracuse just absolutely trounced Holy Cross last weekend. So for Maryland, the known quantities, Logan Wisnowski, so far 14 points over three games. He's looked incredible. Keegan Kahn, 11 points over the course of their first two games. I'm sorry. So Wisnowski right now is averaging seven points a game. Kahn's now averaging, you know, five and a half points a game. And then a, a, just a, a, a litany of guys chipping in behind them. Eric Malever, I never know how to pronounce his name. Owen Murphy, they have seven and six uh, respectively. Jonathan Donville, he scored the opening goal in each of their first two games, the Cornell transfer. Kyle Long, an excellent midfielder. He's got five points. So Maryland's offensive roster is impressive. And out of all of the loaded offensive teams that we've seen play so far, Duke is loaded offensively. Virginia's loaded offensively. Maryland is loaded offensively. I think Maryland's offense so far has looked the best. They've been the most clean. They've played the best together. They've had the most consistent flow over the course of their first two games, whereas we've kind of seen Duke and Virginia struggle at times. Duke already giving up their first loss. Virginia not looking like them their normal offensive selves against a, a very feisty and scrappy high point team. So Maryland so far, I think, is deserving of that number one ranking. I think offensively they've looked the best. And then defensively, they're as solid as you get also. So all things to consider here for Maryland. And as we get into even the, the defensive side here for Maryland, I mean, defensively, they've been solid. Matt Rahill, uh, Roman Pugliese has done a great job between the boxes. Rahill has helped anchor that defense. And then, you know, as you kind of go down their, their stat line here, you've seen a lot of dudes 
contribute in terms of forcing turnovers. The D, the short stick D mids for Maryland have played excellent. Logan McNaney hasn't been incredible in cage, but he, they, they haven't played in close games yet. He's got 14 saves so far against 15 goals. He's sitting at a 48% save percentage um, against, you know, probably lesser opponents as you look at the score line. So that doesn't give us the full story for McNaney. As we get into the Syracuse side of this, they beat the crap out of Holy Cross last week. That doesn't really tell us much of anything, except the Cuse offensive players shot the ball well. As you're looking at their top like eight scorers right now, and actually it's their top ten scorers right now from that game, everybody's shooting above 40%, which is rare for Syracuse. Syracuse traditionally not the best shooting team over the last handful of years, and they they all shot lights out. Dordovic, Curry, Curry shot uh, uh, six shots, four goals. Dordovic, six shots, five goals. Or no, no, no I'm wrong. Uh, Curry, five shots, four goals. Dordovic, eight shots, five goals. Seabold, seven shots, five goals. I mean, it's they shot the ball really well against Holy Cross, but the Holy Cross goalies barely made a save. That is not going to happen with uh, McNaney. He's going to, you know, he's going to stop a handful more shots and expect him, if Syracuse runs and guns and takes a lot of shots and plays fast and loose, expect McNaney to have you know, 15 saves in this game if he has a good day. Could even have more than that. In cage for Syracuse, Bobby Gavin looked really good once again. And I say once again that the competition wasn't great, but he looked really good in an absolute route, meaning he was seeing the ball. He was staying on point despite the fact he was getting extremely bored because the Syracuse defense did not see a lot of action. And when they did get shots, he made saves. Harrison Thompson got some time. He uh, he went 50%, but, but Bobby Gavin, 73%. In cage in this one. Battle of the faceoff guys here. So far, Weirman has been excellent and he's been a huge key in these routes for Maryland. He's 30 of 42 from the dot so far, 71% with 17 ground balls over these first two games. And Jacob Fopp, 15 of 18, 83% with nine ground balls in that last game. And then Cuse went a little bit deeper into the bench. Jack Savage took some draws, 8 of 14. So Syracuse has some options, as does Maryland with Gavin Ty, the Virginia transfer. He took uh, 22, you know, so I mean, it's like, their top each each team's top faceoff guy in Weirman and Fop both insane, and then Savage and Ty they can both play as well. So you know everybody has options all the way down in that way. Syracuse's defense didn't get tested, but they're going to hope that 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 they hold up against this Maryland team. I I hate picking against Syracuse, but if I have to make a pick here, I'm going to pick Maryland probably by three goals. It could be more. Uh, I it's. It's one of those things where Syracuse just hasn't been battle-tested yet. Maryland's coming into their third game after playing two pretty quality opponents, and now Syracuse is coming into their second game after just beating up on Holy Cross. Now, the only upside here for Syracuse is that they also supposedly routed Loyola in a scrimmage, even though that doesn't mean anything, and it was supposedly a pretty good beatdown that they put on them. So that could play into Syracuse's hands, but as I'm trying to be objective here, I think that Maryland overall is the deeper team. I think that Maryland overall, they've, they've been running the same system. I think Maryland definitely has probably a little bit more, not even a little bit more. I mean, you talk about Ray Hill, 
you know, he's probably going to end up being one of the better defenders on the field. So I like Maryland in this one, even though I want Syracuse to win, but don't count Syracuse out. You know, this is going to be a big deal for them. They're hosting Maryland in the dome. So Syracuse is going to be pumped up and they absolutely could come out and pull a win out here. It's just, if you're playing the odds, the more likely outcome is that Maryland wins by a few goals. Uh, it could even come down to a one-goal game, but we shall see. I'm really excited about it either way. This game going down on Sunday also, so we get to watch a full slate of college across on Saturday, and then we can watch the Syracuse-Maryland game hungover on Sunday. Next game I want to talk about here, Duke and Denver. Now, Duke coming off a loss to Jacksonville, so that was pretty brutal for Duke, but everyone who's – all the Duke boo-birds that are out – Duke is, you know, they they more often than not lose games like this early in the season. These are their scrimmages, and Jacksonville's a quality team. They're proving they're good. Other than that loss to Johns Hopkins early on, they're coming out and playing tough lacrosse, and they're just hitting the gauntlet. They've already played four. They're, they're about to play their fifth game here, I think, coming up this weekend. So I like... I, I probably like Duke in this. I don't think Duke's going to come out and drop two in a row. They don't do that very often. I think you have to go back to, like, 2019 was the last time Duke dropped two in a row. They dropped two, a game to Syracuse, and then they dropped a game to UNC after that. I do not see Denver pulling out the win in this one. Denver's played two close games so far with Utah and Air Force. They're not shooting the ball particularly well. They're defensively, they're okay, but they're not the best defensive team you know, in the world, they're not lighting the world on fire. In 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 Duke has better play in in cage than Denver does. Cole French, he's taken the bulk of the shots, forty eight percent. Mike Adler for Duke sitting at fifty eight percent after these four games against some decent teams here. So I kind of like Duke in this one, although it's just tough because Denver on any given day can come out and play well as well. Jake Naso has not been lighting the world on fire as they hoped. He's 55% right now so far at the faceoff dot, whereas Alex Stathakis, once again, haven't necessarily played the competition that Duke has, but he's sitting at 61%. So Stathakis is a very good faceoff man, and uh, I'd kind of call that one a wash here. I think Naso is a little bit more likely to put up some points even if he were to lose the bulk, you know, not a bulk, the bulk of the draws, but lose a, a share of the draws, a small share of the draws to Stathakis in terms of Stathakis besting him by, let's say, five you know, draws or so. So I think that one's kind of a wash in that regard. Defensively, you know, Malik Sparrow's progress has been good. Two cost, uh, four cost turnovers over two games. I like that. But overall, when your your keepers are a little bit shaky and you kind of have a young defense in front of everybody else or in front of those keepers, I'm not, you know, neither of these teams defensively are playing all that well thus far. So that's kind of a wash as well. And that's why I kind of give Duke the edge. I think it comes down to what these teams are doing offensively. And in the end, Duke offensively is is just the better team in terms of the depth and the talent that they have. Dyson Williams has definitely been Duke's most consistent player. Joe Robertson right up there. And then you can never count Brennan O'Neill out. Brennan O'Neill not putting up the points consistently. He had, what, six or seven points in that first game. And now he's got about eight or so since then. But uh, uh, Dyson Williams has been a ple- not a pleasant surprise because we knew he was going to put points up and all that crap. But Dyson Williams has looked good and he's been kind of that most consistent guy for Duke off ball player and has played really well with the rest of the Duke team. So that's a good one, but I'm going to take Duke. I'm going to take, once again, I think it'll be a close game as well. I'm going to take Duke by three or so. 
Um, but I, I'm picking Duke in this one. I think that they're going to come out on top. I'll, I'll put out picks officially here probably later tonight where I'll go through and actually pick the spread. I didn't do it last week. I just got busy, but this week I'll do that. So I'm not picking spreads or anything. I'm not even looking at Las Vegas's lines right now. I'll do that tonight so I can sound smarter, and I'll put that up on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we get into our next game here, and it's going to be Georgetown against who? Who do we got here? Oh, Georgetown and Penn. Sorry here. I, I dragged my browser windows out. Penn hasn't played yet. Penn hasn't played a game since COVID canceled the season in 2020. But I, you know, Penn's got a lot of talent. I'm, I'm going to go with Georgetown in this, though. I think that, you know, you haven't played a game in a really long time, even though you're hosting Georgetown. Georgetown looked really good defensively against um, Hopkins and kind of put the beat down on them. As you're looking at kind of their defensive stats here, uh, Mazone, he has a cause turnover. Will Bowen has a cause turnover. Riley James, the faceoff guy. Uh, or no, James Riley has a, a cause turnover. James Donaldson. Like, the, d- their defense is as good as it gets overall. Owen McElroy looked good in cage. 68% save percentage against Hopkins here. And then even just offensively. I mean, offensively, Dylan Watson, six goals. Uh, uh, Bundy, uh, Bundy Jr. ends up with uh, a goal and four helpers in the game. And, and I forget who it was that didn't play. Uh, one of their big guns didn't play in that game either. Uh, hell, I think Will Bowen even had an assist in this game against Hopkins. So in this one, I do like Georgetown. I think defensively they're better. I think offensively they're probably pretty similar. Penn will play disciplined ball. They'll be aggressive. Like, a, you know, a lot of the, the Ivies beat people up, and they'll do that. They'll play a tough game here against Georgetown. But at this point, Georgetown proved last year they're legit. They didn't, they didn't get themselves to the promised land or anything like that, but they played tough lacrosse all year and finally played really tough lacrosse out of conference against some quality opponents. So I like Georgetown to continue that trend here. And uh, I think that they're going to win this game. Uh, It could be a battle. Although I do think that Hopkins is going to win this one is Hopkins and Loyola. Loyola has struggled mightily at the faceoff dot here. Bailey Savio is just winning 32% of his draws versus Tyler Dunn. For Hopkins, so far, has won 61% of his draws across three games. So Loyola defense and, and, and face-off productivity have been a huge problem for them. They have talent. So if they can, get, if they can end up getting some possessions between Olmstead, um, who else we got here? Olmstead, Lindley is still here. They just haven't done much. Lindley was held to a single goal. Olmstead, one and two. He was their leading scorer. Uh, scorer. Adam Poitras. Two and one. So Loyola has talent offensively. Their problem is just getting stops and winning possessions, period. They've been getting roached at the faceoff dot. And then Hopkins has looked good overall. Connor DeSimone running attack still, five and six. Joey Epstein, we had we saw the reemergence of him the week prior. Uh who I forget who it was against, um, that he had the the big game, six and one. But granted, they played three games and Epstein has eight and one. And I think six goals and one of the, that one assist came across in that one game. So they want more consistency out of Epstein because I think he did have a, a, a setback in their last game. But then Brendan Grimes has been playing well as, uh, also. So Hopkins looks much better offensively. And then the question for them, just like with a lot of teams here, is just in cage. Kersan, 44% thus far in his first three games. That's not necessarily good enough, you know. But it is better than what they've gotten out of, lo- what Loyola's gotten out of their keepers. Luke Stodd or Stad, 
is uh, 36%. Sam Schaefer in cage, 21%. So I like Hopkins in this one. I think offensively they're much better. They're much better at the faceoff dot so far. So I think Hopkins is going to take Loyola out in this game. Another good one that I'm looking forward to, Carolina and Ohio State. You know, we didn't get to see the Big Ten play a whole ton of games against out-of-conference opponents. Only the teams that made the tournament got to play out-of-conference last season. Quick little water break. So we didn't get to see them do a whole lot. And uh, I think Carolina is going to win this game overall. Carolina, the story here is going to be Carolina's inexperienced defense against a pretty solid offense uh, for Ohio State. So I think that's going to be key. But in the end, I think that Ohio State's not going to have an answer for Chris Gray. So far in two games, 12 points. So he's averaging six points a game here. I'm, I ha- As I've told you guys here, I have this heart problem that I'm dealing with uh, f- as after I got my COVID booster. So I had to, that little beep you heard right there, I had to record an event here. My heart was racing a little bit as I'm talking to y'all. Apparently within a month or so, I'm going to be good to go, get a procedure, 95% cure rate, and my ticker is back to normal again, and I can get back to schwilling beers and slinging uh, slinging lacrosse talk without without having my heart jump to 150 or 190 or some crap like that. Anyway, I like Carolina overall. Offensively, they're just going to outscore Ohio, Ohio State. I don't think this is going to be a defensive battle by any means, so I expect I'd take the over in this one if you had a chance and if you were a gambling man for sure. I think Chris Gray is going to light it up again, six-plus points most likely. But watch guys like Jack Myers, Kobe Smith, Jackson Reed. It seems like those guys have been there forever, uh, probably because they have, but they are all insanely competent offensively. So I, I don't think that we're going to see a route. I think we'll see a high-scoring game. I think that Ohio State's going to be able to hang to a degree. Uh, look at Justin Inacio over his first two games at the faceoff dot, 88%. So he is looking really tough. Now, Zach Tucci, not a chump by any means, and they'll have a little bit of depth to throw at Inacio in the event that Inacio uh, is roaching Tucci. They can pull Chase Mullins in. He's won 56% of the mop-up duty that he's taken so far, far for Carolina. But again, like I said, uh, neither of these teams defensively are all that strong. Colin Krieg so far 44% in cage. Former UNC goalie Caton Johnson 52% in cage over their first two games each for uh, Carolina and Ohio State, respectively. So I think that we're going to see a high-scoring game, maybe up to like 15 goals out of each of these teams, and I think Carolina is going to slightly edge Ohio State in this one. Let's call it two to four goal game or so. And once again, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina puts it on them in the end. We just don't know with Ohio State not playing all that many out-of-conference games against quality opponents over the last you know year and four games. Um. Next one that we need to talk about, Rutgers Army. Rutgers, I Army is insanely good offensively. Brendan Nick turned one of the best attackmen in the country. He was five and three in Army's opener. Um, and then you got Reese Burrick, two and one, Danny Kilbasa, uh, three assists in this one. So Army's going to be able to put some points up on Rutgers. In the end, though, Rutgers offensively, they've looked much better than I thought they were going to. Mitch Bartolo has proven to be huge for them. Ross Scott has stepped up. We got 14 points out of Scott, 12 points out of Bartolo. Highly, highly goal heavy. So this is not a team that shares the rock all that much outside of Ryan Gallagher across three games has five assists. But they, they just have a bunch of goal scorers and all of them, like Ross Scott, 10 and 4, Mitch Bartolo, 10 and 2, Brian Cameron, 5 and 2. So they just got a bunch of dudes that are getting to the rack and scoring goals. So that's huge for Rutgers. But what I really like about Rutgers is defensively, they are insanely stout. 
So if you look at offensively, I'd give the edge to Army a little bit. If you look at goalkeeping, so far Connor Kirst across three games has a better save percentage than does Wyatt Schupler, but Schupler is one of the best goalies in the country. So I'd call that one a wash to a degree between the two goalkeepers. Faceoff dot, who do we got here? Dugenio has done a better job for Rutgers than Gaber has done, Gra- uh, Graber has done for Army. Uh, Graber's 54% in the draws, 15 to 28 in that first game for Army. And Dugenio has won 69%. He's 40 of 58 across their three games here. But, you know, Army played UMass, and UMass is a very tough opponent, and Rutgers has had the pleasure of playing a couple of lesser opponents in LIU, Marist, and St. John's. So who knows with that one? I'm still picking Rutgers by a very small margin. I'm thinking this comes. This is a huge rivalry game. I think this is going to come down to a goal. What I like about Rutgers, though, is just the depth of their defense with that solid keeper, and I think that's what gives them uh, the edge in this game here. Let's just check one thing. Who do we have back? Da, 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 da. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not changing my mind here. I think uh, Schupler is going to be the X factor if he puts up 18-plus saves. Probably this game goes Army's way unless unless um, unless Kirst is able to keep keep tabs with him and do something similar. But I do like Rutgers by a goal in this one. I think it's going to be a battle. Notre Dame back in action. Uh, they, they return just about everybody. So you got to kind of like Notre Dame's chances here. Uh, I say that defensively, they lost some guys, but as, as has been the case with Notre Dame, they replace those guys that they lost defensively with transfers. Again, they got a Richmond transfer playing close D. Liam Entman is back in cage. Arden Cohen is back to anchor the defense. They have a solid group of short stick D mids. And so I, that, that's where I like Notre Dame in this one. And then offensively, they're loaded with talent, just like a lot of the other ACC teams are. They're playing Detroit Mercy, so I'm not going to you know, wax nostalgic about this and, and go deep into Notre Dame and go deep into Detroit Mercy. But I do think that where Detroit Mercy is kind of hung, you know, 13-6 scores and crap like that in the past, I think we might see another ACC bloodbath in this one. And despite the fact that Detroit Mercy has already played twice and Notre Dame has only played zero games, they played none games so far, I think you're going to see Notre Dame beat Detroit Mercy up pretty badly in this one. And like I said, the Ivies are back. Another great game that we're going to get to see this weekend is both teams opening Cornell against Albany. Albany traveling down to Ithaca, across the state to Ithaca to play Cornell. I don't know what to expect in this one. I know Cornell has a very solid attack group. Albany's always good uh, offensively. I think the edge here is going to go to Cornell defensively in the cage. And usually at the faceoff dot, Albany's, you know, other than TD Erlen, has traditionally been anemic defensively and at the faceoff dot. So I'm going to pick Cornell in this one. But like I said, we haven't seen either of these teams play yet, so I'm not going to go deep into that. Another one that is usually always a battle, even where Villanova is down, is Yale opening up against Villanova, this time at Yale. Villanova has upset Yale a couple of these times over the last four years or so. So this is always an interesting game. Even the years where Villanova didn't end up panning out, they always play Yale tough in that first game. Yale, I think, has a little bit of added motivation here this time. They've been getting chirped, and they haven't gotten to play lacrosse in a while. But I'm still going to take Yale in probably a three-goal game or so. I think Villanova will probably make it more interesting than it should be. But I, you know, Yale, better team overall, and uh, that's where I'm going. Michigan Holy Cross, I only mentioned this one because over two games, Josh Zuwada has 21 points. Now, granted, those points have come against Bellarmine and Detroit Mercy. 
They they waxed Bellerman 22-13, and then they beat Detroit Mercy 21-5. But Zawada right now, leading leading scorer in the country in terms of points per game, one of the best, also one of the best attackmen in the country. Bohm's look good also for Michigan. So Michigan's going to absolutely destroy Holy Cross here. That's just going to be a fact. But I just wanted to talk about it simply because Zawada is going to probably have another 10-point game the way that the season's been going for him so far. And uh, one of the darlings here so far, Jacksonville. They're going to play Marquette. I think Jacksonville's going to win this game. They might even win this game by a, a you know five-goal, six-goal margin. I just can't get enough, though, of this Max Walbaum uh, against Duke. Did the belly rub again after scoring another big goal. This kid, The big boy is incredible and fun to watch. So if you get a chance to watch Jacksonville play, because they play a lot of out-of-conference games, and so far they've got three games in. This weekend they'll be playing their fourth game against Marquette. Must-see TV here, Jacksonville is. It's not the best defensive team, but they've proven tough enough. And then in cage, they've gotten uh, Luke Milliken. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce that, Millicent. 57% uh, between the pipes here for Jacksonville, so he's been very solid. And overall, Jacksonville has just played well. They're not even winning the face-off battle, so they're not even getting their you know their full share of possessions, but still playing tough. Hopkins, they do lose that 11-8 game against Hopkins. Then they come out and they beat Duke 12-14 on the road. Then they beat Mercer on the road 21-12. So I expect them to beat up in a decent manner on Marquette. Maybe five goals isn't enough if they can continue this, but could this be a trap game uh, becomes the real question here for uh, Jacksonville because you know they're kind of riding high after the Duke win, and then they beat up on Mercer. So Marquette has a chance here to squeak one out. Marquette, first game, Bellerman eight to nine. So, you know, that, that's why I'm kind of not expecting for Marquette to beat these guys. And I think Jacksonville's probably going to win by a margin, but alas, you know, stranger things have happened. And as I just kind of go down the list here, uh, Richmond plays Marist. I think Richmond's going to take that one. Richmond, you know, looking to, to uh, rebound after losing to North Carolina, but they played Carolina, you know, to a reasonable score. So I think that they could probably beat Marist by four or five goals. They're not known for beating teams up really badly, but I think in this case, they are going to definitely be the better team. Binghamton hosts St. Bonaventure. Maybe I should leave my house and actually go watch that one. Harvard probably going to route New Jersey Tech. Hobart and Lehigh, watch that one. The Statesmen are hosting Lehigh here this weekend. And I like, I would have said before, I like Lehigh, mostly because Sisselberger is going to win almost all the faceoffs. But Hobart can put, put goals up like crazy. Hobart. What'd they score? They beat Canisius 22 to 13. So Hobart's problem is just going to be defensively. Uh, how, how do they hang when they're losing the lion's share of possessions at the faceoff dot? Cause that's probably going to happen. Another good game to watch will probably be Stony Brook hosting Robert Morris. Both teams are, are pretty solid. I actually like Stony Brook in this one. I think Stony Brook overall is probably the better team, but you can never count Bobby Moe out. Another good one, Bucknell St. John's. I think Bucknell probably coming in as the favorite in this one and they get a chance to maybe beat uh, St. John's down a little bit. Uh, who else we got? Dartmouth, Merrimack. You know, I don't really care about that one. Princeton playing Monmouth. So expect Princeton to route the crap out of Monmouth in this one. I didn't talk about it. Towson, Virginia. I didn't talk about it pretty much because Towson hosting Virginia. I think Virginia is going to win five or 10 goals or whatnot. We know the deal here. So I, it's not like a huge game on my radar because I just think Virginia is just going to get the win. But Towson has a chance to try to pit, you know, pull an upset against Virginia. Virginia beating, who'd Virginia beat? Uh, high Point in their last contest. Yeah, High Point 11-10. So 
Towson, hoping that Virginia plays down and that they get a chance to chip them. UMass is going to beat up badly on UMass Lowell. Brown plays Quinnipiac, uh, so they're going to get they're going to lose. Uh, uh, Quinnipiac is someone corrected me. I just, I can never pronounce it. I always just go Quinnipiac because it's easier to say. St. Joseph's is St. Joseph's going to beat Penn State? They very well could. And uh, what else we got Sunday? Navy against Manhattan. I think Navy takes down Manhattan. And then that Friday game, Navy-Hofstra tomorrow night. That should be a solid one as well. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Hofstra. And No, 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 I'm not. That's stupid. I'm going with Navy in this one. Navy's the road team, but I still think Navy's going to win that game. So that's it. I'll be back Sunday. Be sure to come back Sunday so you can watch and listen to the full-on preview so yeah if you're an audio only listener you're missing out if you don't watch the youtube show because we do throw highlights in the youtube show uh we have a little bit of a visual here that you can go off of so it's not just listening to me drone on you actually get to see some highlights as we talk about them so if you're an audio only listener be sure to hit youtube up this weekend it's youtube.com forward slash lax factor show usually drops somewhere around 11 o'clock in the morning on sunday and we'll recap all uh, we'll recap the games from friday and saturdays usually so be sure to tune into that and as always go to laxfactor.com support us that way i am done talking uh for today so that is it hoost is out the lax factor podcast